0: Coming up on this episode of Here's an Idea. And so who typically uses something like Moon Hacker?
1: There are corporations that are in pharmaceutical, that are in energy, that are in mining, that are in transportation. They are all building missions for the moon. So when you look at how private enterprise globally is starting to see the moon the way we've seen it for six years, they are seeing it as our eighth continent.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Here's an Idea. Astronauts first set foot on the lunar surface more than 50 years ago, but we still have a lot to learn about the moon. Our guest on Here's an Idea today wants to provide the next generation of lunar explorers with the information they need to successfully perform their missions. Today on the podcast, we have Blair DeWitt, the CEO and co-founder of Lunar Station Corporation, a lunar intelligence company based in the greater Boston area. Blair, thanks for being with us.
1: Billy, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today.
0: So Blair, in kind of a simple description, what, what do we mean by moon, moon data intelligence?
1: This is about information. And anyone that's interested in the moon basically have two questions. Where can I find what I'm looking for and how do I get there? So what are we looking for? You could be looking for resources. You could be looking for power and energy locations. You could be looking for uh, storage or logistic locations. Let's say you were looking for a rare earth metal. You want to be adjacent to it. So if you're going to land adjacent to it, how do you get to where you really want to be without disturbing the asset you're going after? And that's the second part of it. How do you get there? So we answer both questions with our Moon Hacker intelligence platform.
0: Yeah, so what in the Moon Hacker provides the kind of location information in that example that you gave us?
1: As a analytical engine, we ingest a large amount of data. This data comes from public sources like NASA, who has 60 years of lunar data in a repository. Now, you know, devices 60 years ago, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, or even 10 years ago, Capture data and store it in different ways. You have to be very flexible to bring it in, bang it into a shape that satisfies the customer's request, analyze it, break it down, provide them with a very simple analysis that says, here are the best locations for what you're looking for. Here are the structures of them. Here's your communication solutions. Can you see Earth? Or are you going to have to bounce your signals off of a satellite? Are you going to get enough sunlight? What are the meteorites, impacts, projection for that time frame? And then if you're going to be adjacent to that site, here's how you would transport into that site without disrupting anything and maintaining a certain level of safety. Now, is
0: there a level of automation for this kind of example?
1: There is. There is. So users who have subscriptions with us simply put in what they're looking for. Hit go, and Moon Hacker starts working away at it. And then when the results are finished, they get notified. They come back into the system, and they start looking at the result set. And then they can make further tweaks. If they want to move east or west, north or south, they can and rerun and take another look at it. They can come up with multiple routes to do the transport from where they landed to where they really want to be. All the while, we're giving them great situational awareness on the ground and ground truth.
0: Now, is it just situational awareness? What other applications are possible with Lunar Station?
1: Resource identification, quantification, qualification. We can also look at subterrain activity. There are still quakes on the moon, moonquakes. So looking at the seasonability of those Again, uh, looking at other environmentals, like how much radiation are you going to be exposed to? Not just galactic radiation, but albedo-reflective radiation. So if this is a highly radiated area, you're going to have to count for that with equipment that has a higher hardening for that. So the environmental awareness is another aspect to the situational awareness.
0: So for something like radiation, what data is your software pulling from to make those determinations?
1: So there's quite a few missions that NASA has sent over the past 30 years that was collecting environmental radiation raw data. And then we take that and apply it specifically to that site or sites.
0: Mm -hmm. And just so I'm clear, so your software pulls from available NASA data?
1: Yes, exactly. And what's nice about that is as taxpayers, we actually have paid for that data. And NASA has done a great job of making it available to the public, not just in the U.S., but globally. And you don't see other space agencies actually doing that. And so
0: who typically uses something like Moonhacker? Hacker?
1: According to PwC's latest Lunar Market Assessment, There are corporations that are in pharmaceutical, that are in energy, that are in mining, that are in transportation. They are all building missions for the moon. If you're going to set up a power capture and distribution site, where is the best place to get the power relative to other activities that are being planned? We can answer that question. So when you look at how private enterprise globally is starting to see the moon the way we've seen it for six years, they are seeing it as our eighth continent. And, you know, to harken back a couple hundred years ago, right, when kings and queens would send expeditionary missions, it would be the private enterprises that would come in afterwards. And that's where we're at. The kings and queens have sent their expeditionary missions. Now commercials coming in because this is another continent full of resources, including water, for our betterment of our conditions here on Earth.
0: For say a lunar station analysis, is it a pre-mission report that someone looks at, or is it the kind of ongoing data acquisition, kind of real-time responding information?
1: It's both. Right now, everyone's in pre-mission planning. So that's the predominant uh, tasking of Moon Hacker. But as you're there, we absolutely will do real-time or near real-time updating because speed of light and all that sort of stuff. But once you go into operational mode, we will be there with you on your mission.
0: And what kind of instrumentation allows that kind of real-time look at the Moon
1: Part of this wave of private space going to the moon is communications, positioning, optical observation, a bevy of sensors. So now the amount of data that's going to be generated from the moon is almost a tsunami level. Now that commercial entities are going, that data is not public. (laughs) That's private data. So we have the ability and the flexibility with Moonhacker to create private channels for private data to come in to then benefit certain entities. That's the real interesting dynamic is that when private enterprise starts going, there's going to be pockets of knowledge. There's two outcomes to that. That pocket of private knowledge gets locked away and no one benefits, or it comes into our system. And there's a much better opportunity for others to benefit from it. So how did the idea for Lunar Station come about? I was on the campus of MIT. At the time, there was a notion about, well, we should be going to Mars because that's what we need to do as a species is grow and grow beyond Earth. It made a lot of sense that the moon is going to be the next economic zone in space and that from a transportation perspective, it's a great hub. It's a great hub. If you shuttle from earth to the moon and you catch bigger rockets to other places, that is a very economically scalable model. You can build bigger, faster rockets on the moon and get them going. than you can trying to get them off the surface of earth. So you have a higher probability of success, capturing a ride from the moon to Mars with bigger rockets, more supplies, than you would trying to take off from Earth. You're gonna have limited cargo, limited number of people, because there's a certain amount of weight (laughs) that, you know, and and how much fuel are you gonna use to escape Earth's gravity opposed the moon, which is one-sixth. So you can build six times larger rockets, six times more cargo, people, everything. And very quickly, we had these questions thrown at us.
0: What were those kinds of questions?
1: They were looking for optimum locations where they could get the most amount of sunlight in a particular landing zone. Missions get a lot less expensive if you're drawing your power from the sun than if you're sending batteries or uh, you know isotopes that, that decay over time. And therefore, the more you can use the sun, the more you can do. So they actually wanted to know when is exactly my first ray of sunlight on a particular lunar day. And if I adjust my location, do I get more sunlight? Can I extend my lunar day so that my operations are extended? And that type of question was a great challenge right from the beginning. And so everything that we've done has been to answer those types of questions that maximize mission success, minimize mission risk. Because another thing is most of these devices, landers, rovers, even static payloads, there's only a certain amount of slope you can handle. It's kind of like a 18-wheeler truck. Like, (laughs) you know, you can only go up certain grades or go down certain grades or you'll have equipment failure. Same thing with devices going to the moon that, you know, there's there's a certain threshold in which you don't want to go beyond because you know, it'll topple. Or even a static payload, if it flips on its side, you've lost most of your power. Half your sensor bay is is blocked by the surface. So thinking about how do I maximize my lunar day? How do I make sure that my equipment is in a safe relative position based on terrain? And so that really was the driver behind everything that we've done.
0: How does Lunar Station support NASA missions?
1: NASA has a really interesting approach to the moon and their approach to the moon isn't what NASA used to do, which is we are the mission. We're designing it. We're building it. We're operating it. They're going as a customer. So all of these private missions that are going have cargo space. And so there are corporations and academia that are taking cargo bays. NASA said, hey, we'll take a few. And so now private enterprise is going to the moon and delivering cargo, of which NASA is supplying some cargo. So I think you'll start seeing the space agencies as it relates to the moon participating in the commercial wave. We support the commercial entities that are actually building the missions and operating the missions. But this also helps NASA uh, make sure that their cargo gets there. Now, are
0: there on Earth applications for your technology as well?
1: The sensors that have been used to kind of map under the water are about the same level of the sensors that have been used to map the moon. So there's an opportunity for us to participate with a huge value add for underwater analyses and intelligence. And so that's interesting. And then also as, as Mars becomes the next economic zone, then we can also help private entities understand Mars better as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And finally, what's next for Lunar Station Corporation?
1: So there's actually 40 missions going to the moon in the next handful of years. And each of those missions is probably going to carry about 30 sensors from various entities. And so it's almost like the Mayflower arriving, right? It, it's a collection of interests. Each of them will have their own sensors and data generation. And, you know, for us, there is missions this year, private missions that are going domestically and internationally. So the timelines are tight. And so we're, we're very busy getting ready for those data sets to arrive. I thought this was a great conversation. I really appreciate
0: you taking the time to speak with us. Thanks a lot. My pleasure, Billy. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more, go to our episode page at techbriefs.com slash podcast, where you can see photos and watch videos, and you can also listen to previous episodes of Here's an Idea. If you like this episode, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your favorite podcast platform. If you have a question for Blair or any comments about the episode, please email us at podcasts with an S at saemediagroup.com. Thanks for listening.